0: Welcome to Curious Insights from History. I'm John Walker, and I know enough history to be dangerous. Super glad you're listening to the show today. Hello there, friends and neighbors. Welcome to another show. It's another... Really part of American history that I really like. This is a story I just absolutely love it. I think it's great. We're going to see how much you know. We're going to try to give you a little uh, hidden agenda here. We're going to try to to tell this story without giving it away right off the bat, just so you can have a chance to see if you know who we're talking about. We're going to talk about a man by the name of Oliver Crook Howe. If you know that name, you can go to the head of the class because you know a lot of history. In 1906, Oliver Crook Howe was executed for murder. He had evidently murdered his mother, father, and brother, and maybe as many as a dozen more. As a young man, he was a bully. He lived that life, and there's an incident we'll talk about in a minute, but before he was executed for murder in 1893, in 1893, he earned a medical degree, became a doctor. But before that, in 1886, he became familiar with a book by Robert Louis Stevenson by the name of Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Well, Oliver was a cocaine and morphine user. And evidently, he took the story of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde to heart, and he worked pretty hard on the Hyde part and became a pretty violent man. He did some pretty rough things. It's also possible, more than likely, that he had several wives in different cities. He had to move around from city to city because evidently he was a bad doctor. He doctored for a while, people kind of ran him out of town, he went somewhere else. When he went somewhere else, he said, I got a new business, I need a new wife. Supposedly, his first murder was a father-in-law that did not really approve of Oliver Crookhau. Anyway, before he was executed, his the story goes that his brother was chosen by his mother and father to receive their small inheritance. And Oliver Crook Howe responded to that by drugging them and setting the house on fire. And he was caught leaving. The Dayton Journal was quoted as saying, Oliver never was without the wish to inflict pain or at least discomfort on others. Not a really great guy. So why are we talking about him today? Well, there's an incident in Oliver Crook Howe's life when he was in high school as a bully. And at the time he had toothache and he was taking a fairly common drug for toothache back then. Cocaine toothache drops. Imagine cocaine toothache drops. You get a toothache, you get some cocaine. Anyway, he may have been a little bit unstable because of his cocaine habit, even at that young age, but he liked to play hockey. And the key event in history is one day he's playing hockey with a young man named Wilbur. And whether accident or on purpose, we don't really know. Wilbur's family never said whether it was on purpose or not, and we don't have anyone else that witnessed it that talked about it that said. But there was an incident Well, Wilbur was hit in the face with a hockey stick. Not just a little touch in the face. Evidently, it was a real smack to the face. Wilbur was, in contrast to Oliver, a very smart, athletic, sociable guy. He had everything going for him, as they say. There was talk when he graduated from high school of going to Yale. But this... Event with Oliver crook Howe, this however it went down, however it happened, caused him to have to have numerous frost teeth and he went from being a sociable guy that everybody liked and everybody wanted to be around to a man who did not leave the house for over three years. Imagine it must have been a pretty severe hit to make you not want to leave the house for three years. Felt so bad, looked so bad, didn't want to leave the house for three years. The thing is, it likely completely changed the trajectory of his life. If Wilbur had not had this hockey game and been hit in the mouth by Oliver, Wilbur probably would have gone on to Yale, gone into a regular job, done regular things that regular people do. But because he was hit in the mouth, and did not want to leave the house, it changed it. But now Wilbur didn't just sit at home. He studied at home. He studied a lot. And eventually, he sent a letter to the Smithsonian Institution, wanting information. I wonder, could you send a letter to the Smithsonian Institution today and get anything back? I'm guessing they'd say, hey, Google it. (laughs) But he sent a letter to them. It was on pale blue stationery, and across the top, it said Wright Cycle Company. And in the letter, he said he believed that manned flight was possible. He wanted to know all the information that was available. He'd observed birds, uh, anything about birds or flying or whatever they could do to help him. He wanted it because he was going to try to figure out the way to fly. Yeah, we're talking about the Wright brothers. We're talking about Wilbur Wright. We're talking about his change in life from trying to go to Yale and trying to live a normal life in those kind of ways to becoming. Oliver did not go off to college. He stayed at home and studied, learned what he could about flying. It became a chore, and the brothers, quickly it was a brothers thing. In fact, right off the bat, they were working together on it. Wilbur seems to be pretty obviously the genius of the flying, uh, but Orville was also very gifted and very useful in their attempt to learn to fly. But it became a chore for them. They, were, they had all the research at the time, and they tried to build their plane based on that research, but that research wasn't very good. They had to go back build their own little wind tunnel and experiment with what would lift and what wouldn't, and they finally started figuring out some things and made some headway. They kind of became rivals of a man named Samuel Pierpoint Langley. I think he's the Langley that the Langley, the famous Langley place in Washington is named after. And Langley was convinced that he could fly as well, and he built an aerodrome. And this is the way he tried to fly. You may have seen pictures of this. It's the kind of the classic failure to fly. It's on the top of a big houseboat with a kind of a ramp on it, and the plane takes off, the wings collapse, and into the water it goes. And it's interesting. Langley had a seventy thousand dollar budget to try to learn to fly, and he never could do anything but fail. Later guys tried to prove that he did have a fly, a plane that would fly, but obviously it didn't fly then. Anyway, his $70,000 budget is compared with the Wright's total expenses for all of their equipment and all of their, uh, all they did in, in leading up to the Wright flyer taking off cost him $1,000. Anyway, in December, just a few days before a monumental occasion, Langley had tried to fly his plane again, it had been another, another crash, another failure. But then on December the 17th, 1903, the Wright brothers flew. And without Oliver Crook Howe, you wonder, would the Wright brothers have done what they did? Would it been a few years later where Wilbur Wright is in France and he says before a big crowd, he says to a few gentlemen beside him, he says this, Gentlemen, I'm going to fly. And he did. And the French people went nuts. They, they, would, they would come and wait for days to see if he was going to fly again. Imagine never having seen anybody fly and the Wright Brothers flew. Well, I think this is a great story. I, I love the fact that Wilbur was a a good guy. He was going to be something in life. He had a lot of opportunities. He had he'd worked hard at what he wanted to be. But that got hugely changed by a freak, possibly on purpose, accident. And he took that accident, took it as a chance to learn, to study, to try to figure out how to fly, and he did. He did. Sometimes we look at our lives and go, ah, this is not what I wanted to do. I have been derailed. The bad things have happened. It's a yucky deal. But maybe, just maybe, It's the yucky deal you need to send you in a new, better direction. It's not just the riots that had this happen to him. You know, we've talked about Einstein, and he's in the patent office. And it would be easy. In fact, I'm sure he even said this. What am I doing? I'm a physicist, and I'm stuck in a patent office. But it's very likely that being stuck in that patent office is what gave him the insights and the ability to write the crazy things that he wrote that kind of changed science. Another man that had this kind of thing happen to him was Theodore Roosevelt. It's a great story. Theodore Roosevelt was getting into politics, and he was very outspoken, too outspoken for politics. And in those days, the party boss kind of determined who ran for what office. And Roosevelt wanted to be the governor of New York. But the party boss said, nope, we're going to shovel you off to a kind of an out-of-the-way place where you won't be a bother. We're going to make you the vice president. (laughs) Well... Who would have thought that there was going to be an assassination? And that would launch the very impressive political career of Theodore Roosevelt as president. So you never know. You never know when something bad comes, when something you're not expecting comes, when the things that you want to happen get derailed. Maybe you just need to say, hey, this could be an opportunity. This could be a chance. Hope that helps. Hey, read a good book. Try something new.